This is the FS Tech Podcast. Welcome to the FS Tech Podcast. I'm Darvinda Kula, Assistant Editor of FS Tech. Financial services organizations are expanding their services and moving an increasing number of vital applications to the cloud. Almost half of FSIs use a multi-cloud strategy using an average of three cloud providers and this number is set to rise. At the same time, the regulators want to add a layer of protection. The European Union's incoming Digital Operational Resilience Act, or DORA, aims to improve the digital resiliency of the entire financial system. Meanwhile, consumers are demanding more from their FSIs and want their data kept under lock and key. Yet some FSIs are saddled with legacy systems that prevent them satisfying consumer expectations and the demands of regulators. To delve further into these challenges and find possible solutions for FSIs, I'm delighted to say that I'm joined by Armin Vada, Chief Technologist FSI EMEA at Red Hat. Welcome to the podcast, Armin. It's great to have you here. Thank you, Davinda, for having me here. So how are FSIs dealing with concentration risk in an age of hyperscaler cloud vendors? There are multiple stances at banks and uh, insurances regarding this concentration risk in the the clouds. The first stance is simply ignorance. They say, oh, this is all just hyperbole. Public clouds are much more secure and resilient than our own IT. Hyperscalers have great redundancies, such as multiple regions and availability zones. And yeah, that's true. It's, it's really not a false argument, but they are ignoring that clouds can have global outages due to cyber attacks or configuration errors. And actually, we have seen some of them in all the major clouds in the, in the last months and years. The second stance that I'm often hearing is a very trivial one. Some banks say, we are not critical enough, but it's uh, the cloud concentration risk is not looking at the single institution if this institution is too big to fail or if it is small enough so that it would be acceptable to fail. The cloud concentration risk looks at the whole sector because there are like 10,000 banks in the EU and all of them are striving to three or four hyperscalers. And what would happen if uh, one hyperscaler would fail for an extended period? The third um, pattern I discovered is some kind of self-deceptive. They say, of course, we could move everything elsewhere if bad things would happen, because we have scripted all deployments with infrastructure as code. But Do they regularly test this? How fast can they really move? Can they execute these migrations from one cloud provider to another at scale with multiple apps at the same time? Another stance is reluctance. Some banks or insurances say, oh, we are not big in clouds. We only move applications to the cloud that are not business critical. That would not pose a problem if they would fail for a few days. Of course, those FSI institutions might be missing an opportunity to make best use of the cloud. And then finally, we have those institutions who have an open hybrid cloud strategy. 
they use both managed computing resources in the public cloud and computing resources that they have full control over, that they host in their own or in rented co-location data centers. For applications that they deploy in public cloud, they only use interoperable technology, which is available in any cloud and also on-premise. So they make sure that this is not just a lip service to implement portable applications on interoperable. They often enforce a policy like for each production system they have, they put at least one test system in another cloud or in another environment. This approach guarantees application portability and that they really have an exit plan that they can execute for their mission critical applications. Okay, there's a huge debate around the need for agility and operational resilience, given the disruption of the last few years. How is cloud helping to improve the flexibility? Clouds offer elasticity and uh, on-demand resources. I think that's uh, the most important aspect that often the own IT infrastructure of banks or insurances cannot uh, provide at the same level. The cloud providers, they always have the systems with the fastest, newest CPUs. They have GPU accelerators for AI, ML workloads, systems with huge internal memory, and external storage is available instantly in vast amounts. So this elastic and on-demand availability of compute resources, that's, that's really a very unique positioning of those public clouds. And the other aspect is here the management, because systems can be deployed and also undeployed very fast. Everything can be managed via APIs, scripts, and automated playbooks. So, for example, you can easily tear down a test environment in the cloud and effortlessly redeploy it some days or weeks later, at least as long as you stay in the same cloud. If you want to redeploy your test environment to another cloud, of course, this would require that you are using interoperable cloud services, which is not a given, which is something you really have to take care of. Okay, the regulators are showing a, an increasing interest in the cloud. What impact are requirements such as DORA and PRA having on cloud transformation and the need for digital resilience? Yeah, first, um, we have to emphasize that the regulator actually wants the banks to use cloud for improved uh, flexibility, digitalization, and so on. It's not that the regulator is really putting the brakes on cloud usage. This is sometimes misinterpreted, but the regulator wants to have the guardrails for a safe and secure usage of cloud. And the most important aspect that the regulator is looking at is the importance of third-party risk management. As a bank, you have to assess and manage the risk if you rely on third parties that you only have limited control over, like public cloud hyperscalers or also your upstream software vendors. So that, that's very important. Nobody is building everything himself anymore today. So you have your supply chains, you have your upstream providers, but those can also pose a risk if they might fail or default. And that's the third party risk management. The operational resiliency regulations, they are putting the aspects of interoperability and portability into the spotlight. 
interoperability of computing environments such as clouds and your on-premise data centers or co-location data centers and the portability of applications that's enabling reversibility of outsourcing decisions. They are prerequisites for realistic exit plans. Okay, and what's the best way for FSIs to prepare for these upcoming regulatory directives such as the DORA or the PRA guidance on cloud concentration risk? What should FSIs be thinking about? Yeah, I think they first should really start with assessing their application portfolio because um, they really have to understand which of the applications are actually mission critical and which applications are not. So banks have hundreds or even thousands of applications and not all of them will be mission critical, but some are. And they have to understand which services do their mission critical applications depend on and who is providing these services? What control does the bank have over these service providers? And are there potential alternative service providers supporting those mission critical applications? So they have to make this assessment of the application portfolio to understand it. And at this exercise, they should not underestimate the interdependence of applications. There might be a non-mission critical application that is required to run another mission critical application. And by this relationship, the interdependence, the networking of those applications, the subset of the applications that you estimate, which are mission critical, for example, for banking, banks, it's the core banking systems, the payment systems, and so on, it will be a lot larger because of this um, interconnectedness between the systems. So banks and insurances, they really have to understand and document the applications and their services landscape, the service provider. They have to classify everything with respect to mission criticality and difficulty of replacement because the regulators will be applying this principle of proportionality regarding the criticality of the applications. Okay, um, some FSIs, particularly the larger ones, are dealing with a lot of legacy systems um, during their cloud journey. How realistic is it for them to be fully cloud first or will they always have some sort of reliance on these legacy systems? Yeah, in the beginning of, uh, of, of the adoption of um, cloud hyperscalers by the financial services and insurance industry, there was a lot of hype about becoming cloud first and cloud native and cloud only in the next years. What I've observed is that today, most large institutions have come down to earth after they understood their skyrocketing cloud builds and also got a better understanding of their own organization's capabilities to move applications to the cloud and to manage applications in the cloud. So they got more realistic today about the speed of their cloud journey. Analysts estimate that in 2022, about 5% of applications in big enterprises were running in container environments. And that this number will triple to 15% by 2025, so in the next few years. So you see, it's not that the majority of the applications today in big enterprises like bank and insurances are already cloud natives. There is still a lot of work ahead. 
And of course, there will still, there will always be some applications which will potentially never become cloud native. And this, they have all also have to be managed and optimized and so on. So while, while it makes sense for banks to strive for cloud native application architectures, this will take more time. Overhyped cloud strategies like we will make all our apps cloud native and move them to public cloud within the next three years and then discard our own data centers. They are unrealistic for larger, older institutions. So this experience led to some institutions now struggling to fill the minimum spend commitment with a hyperscaler because in the beginning of the cloud journey, they overestimated their own capability, the organization's capability to move applications to the cloud. And so they signed a very big minimum spend commitment with a hyperscaler. And now after two years or three years within the journey, they are struggling to fill this minimum spend commitment. And this is also contributing to those headaches that we see. You mentioned the legacy systems. Of course, um, a lot of banks insurances still rely heavily on mainframe systems for their core applications. And those legacy applications cannot be replaced quickly. And the risk of replacing such a core system is often considered to be very high for the banks, for the insurances. But it's not just the legacy applications. For example, if you run an application 24 by seven with a constant workload, you cannot really make good use of the elasticity and flexibility of the cloud. Then it is often more cost efficient to run such an app on dedicated hardware in an on-prem or co-location data center. So such an app would probably not be a good fit for the cloud. So that you see there are lots of um, aspects that banks have to consider. And uh, in the end, this means Hybrid cloud is a reality that you have some footprints in the cloud and maybe in another cloud and some on-premise. Of course, there are some examples for a cloud-first and cloud-only strategy really working out. That's the fintechs and the neobanks that have started on a green field, not having any legacy that they have to consider here. They successfully executed a cloud-first and cloud-only strategy. They have been in startup mode, and of course, it made sense for them to focus on a single cloud provider even. But the new operation resiliency regulations will create a lot of headaches for those fintechs or new banks that are now big enough to be considered critical or who provide important services to other larger institutions. We see a lot of cooperations between banks and fintechs, and if a bank names a certain fintech as a provider of a critical service, then from the regulatory perspective, this fintech will become a critical service provider and will fall full blown under the operational resiliency regulations. So we will see institutions, big institutions flagging those fintechs as a providers of critical services. And then the regulator will also look at the third party risk of these relations. And then those fintechs will also have to discover that they have still some homework to do to make the applications portable and use multiple interoperable clouds. Thank you, Armin. If our listeners want to learn more about Red Hat, where can we send them? 
Yeah, thanks also for giving me the opportunity to speak here. Yeah, my, um, our listeners can visit our website, that's redhat.com. And I'm also happy to receive comments and requests for discussion by email. And my email address is armin.bada at redhat.com. Happy to hear from you. Brilliant. Thank you so much. And it's been great to have you on the podcast today. And I look forward to welcoming you on another episode very, very soon. And if you have a suggestion for a topic for a future podcast, please contact us by going to the FS Tech podcast page and clicking contact us. Thank you and see you next time. Thank you for listening to the FS Tech podcast.